Welcome to Current Affairs Taiwan. All right, Mike, what do we got up on the show today? Well, we got another uh, list of great stuff. The DPP legislator introduced a bill to change some of the language in the in the goal for national unification. And surprise, surprise, somebody we didn't expect supports that bill. Then uh, Taiwan withdrew from the World Health Assembly the whole attempt to get it a seat on there. Taiwan said, let's put a hold on that. And we'll discuss some reasons why they might have done that. Uh, we talk about the Han Guoyu, you recall, Han, the mayor of Kaohsiung, recalled on June 6, instructing his followers not to, to go to the polls. And the DPP's attempts to get the irrigation and farmers and fishermen's cooperatives under control are ongoing. So that will be interesting to talk about and, and uh, see in the future. We take a quick pass at the gay marriage at the one-year anniversary. And finally, we talk about the cabinet resignation on Thursday and mention some names that might be given interesting positions. Stay tuned, folks. It's going to be another great show. All right, folks. Welcome to another edition of Current Affairs Taiwan. I'm Michael Turton, and my cohort over here is Donovan Smith. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, looking forward to another good show today. So what's on tap? The World Health Assembly. Big news out today when Taiwan withdrawing from mm -hmm. uh, its effort to get seated there as an observer this year. Why do you think that was? Well, man, this, uh, I mean, that really kind of throws us, doesn't it? I mean, I was looking at, um, you know, when I'm looking at this, I mean, this was going to be a real interesting battle because it was going to really show who supported Taiwan and, and who was cowering to China. That right. was the real big vote. So it was really kind of really looking forward to this. I have a couple of guesses here or theories. Mm -hmm. um, the first one is that India is supposed to be taking over the WHO executive committee for the next three years. Right. And there's uh, been a lot of, I've noticed a lot of uh, editorials coming out of India that India should be more supportive of Taiwan. And of course, yep. there's been a lot of ongoing tension between India and China. So Taiwan may be waiting for that to happen. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily mean that Tedros is out. We don't know here, but that's one possibility. Now, another thing is I do think that Taiwan wants to show they're the good guy. We're in the middle of a pandemic, so right. the WHA should be focused on that. And number three, and this is the, the kicker one, I think, is that I saw in The Guardian today, now 120 countries, including Russia, are going to demand that China open up <laughs> and allow inspectors into Wuhan to try and figure out where the virus came from. Right. So essentially, I think that the, it, at this session, Taiwan's going to take a step back because China's going to get the crap beat out of them over this issue. And China's going to do one of two things, right? They're going to either react very badly, and my, my bet is <laughs> odds on that's what they're going to do, in which case, any future vote on Taiwan, people are going to be pissed off at China's response here. Or China's going to acquiesce, in which case a lot of countries will realize that, oh, we can beat China. And they'll be more confident in supporting Taiwan next time. Yeah. I think a little ripple of shock went through Twitter when the Russians said they were all for the inspection. <laughs> <laughs> 
a uh, Twitter been... spasm. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh... <laughs> It was like watching a crowd shy away from a, you know, a firecracker thrown in the center of it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was big news. Uh, I, if you followed some of the debates, you could see where um, a lot of people who studied international law have said, actually, Tedros has the, the, the authority to appoint an observer to the WHA, to the World Health Assembly. But the, the, but the WHO and clearly probably the UN of, as well have seemed to have internalized the idea that Taiwan is part of China. And so fighting that is going to be very difficult in the next few years. But with so many nations coming out in this, I think it's going to get easier. Mm-hmm. So let's see what else we got going on today. Well, there, speaking of China, a DPP legislator offered a bill which would what remove all the unification language from the Constitution, yeah, from the legal system. Goal. Yeah, from the national goal. That's it. Yeah. And so then he withdrew it, undoubtedly at the behest of higher ups in the DPP. This is not something that Tsai Ing-wen would probably support, right? She's very cautious and incremental and not radical at all. And then uh, then who came out in support of it, surprisingly? Well, yeah. I, I mean, the responses, I, 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 you know, when that first came out, I watched this really closely because where all the various actors came out on this would be very telling. The right. PRC came out at exactly as expected. They were hostile. The Taiwan State Building Party has come out and said they're going to, now that the lawmaker, the DPP lawmakers pulled it, they're going to introduce their own legislation. No surprise there. Nope. The KMT said they wouldn't obstruct it, but questioned the timing and said more discussion was needed, which was interesting because they basically kind of punted, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, they, um, they got to go back to the mainstream and they're not going to do it objecting to the law like this. Yes. Yeah, because it's basically reality. The DPP response I thought was very interesting. And I think that you're right that it's basically Taiwan being cautious as normal. And apparently in her first inauguration, I didn't remember this, but she said she would abide by this law and all these other ones related to cross-strait relations. Oh, I see. And, 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 this, and this legislator just dumps this on her a few days before her second inauguration. Yeah. There's <laughs> a ahead. second possibility on the DPP side, I think, is that yeah. she may have something else planned that could be big for the inauguration. Right. There's some historical precedent, I think, for either way, that she's being cautious or... Because sometimes at major events, like right after the election, you know, she makes a statement to BBC that Taiwan's already independent. Yeah, you know, that's DPP like that. uh, policy. Yeah. So, um, but the the one that I, I think you're referring to is the TPP. Yeah, that, that was, was one. That very... was the one I wanted to get to. The Taiwan People's Party, headed by Ko yeah. Wenja, who's the mayor of Taipei. Yeah, they came out and said they were for it. And likened the, you know, supporting the existing law to treason. That's a big green jump for them. Yep, especially the second half of that. Mm-hmm. Well, they've been accused of being pro-blue by people on the green side, especially. And of mm-hmm. course, surrounded himself with a lot of uh, blue advisors. So I guess to something like two-thirds of the people in his backing him. And there's a lot of light blues in the TPP for whom this thing would probably be acceptable. I don't think any of them want to see Taiwan, quote-unquote, unified in their lifetime. Yeah. So so you're right. It's a very curious uh, touchstone to see what everyone thinks. I, I think it's also interesting in that 
the TPP, first of all, it was the entire caucus came forward and announced this. Right. Coenza was nowhere to be seen. That's very interesting. And interestingly, I went to the TPP Facebook page. And if you go through their photos, you see that it's been a long time since they posted anything up with Coenza. Well, he, he was up a last, last two weeks ago uh, apologizing for what was it, the fire? Yeah. Yeah. And, that's you know, that's TPP. the party. Of, that's his mayor. That's, that's his mayor, mayor. But even still, he belongs to the party that advocates good governance. It did look good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was not a good look. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of get the sense here. I mean, I, I think this is a, a, a momentous one that they took a stand now because up, up until now, as, as you, you and I have noted, they've been the party of, you know, apple pie and mom. Good governance. Yeah. And they haven't taken really any stands on anything controversial that says anything really outside of they just simply copied and pasted Tsai Ing-wen's policy, you know, cross-strait policies. <laughs> so now they've actually said something. And I think the comp and they also went down and I think they announced it in Jiayi. They were down there for um, campaigning at a, in a by-election for a TPP candidate. And to me, I feel like the TPP is starting to, you're starting to get, now they've got a long way before they're a co- totally coherent political entity. I mean, they got a long way to go on that. But we're starting to see shades of outline as to a, a, an independent identity for the party. And, a, you know, a unique ideology, a unique vision. It's starting to get little hints of that. And Having Cohen just step back a bit, I think, is a good idea because it gives the rest of the party a chance, you know, a chance to sort of grow and breathe. So, you know, it, it, unlike the PFP where James Song was basically everywhere all the time. Yeah. Well, they have to move towards the mainstream, too. And this is something the mainstream is, well, you know, can be supportive of. So mm-hmm. and then Johnny Chang also was out this week with another statement asking uh, China to stop threatening Taiwan, the, the chairman of the KMT. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the KMT is kind of trying to grope its way back to the mainstream. And of course, the other parties have to find themselves there, too, or they'll be out. I mean, the Mm -hmm. TPP is going to be the Taiwan People's Party is going to be a fringe light blue party if it doesn't start grabbing issues like this and making noise. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a Taipei party, too, which is even worse. Yeah. So that's why I thought it was relevant that they were all down in Jiayi. Yeah. Yeah showing that they actually know there's a place outside of Taipei. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, did you see, did you see in speaking of Johnny Chang's comments? Mm-hmm. I I found those really interesting. Um because you'll notice that he actually started talking up a bit. Um see if I remember how he he basically said that the 92 consensus was good during the Ma era and built better relations with China. Right. Now, that plus he also accused the Thai government of leaning too far toward the U.S. And he said during the the pandemic, Taiwan should be a bit more neutral. Yeah, yeah. That's standard. Now this, right, exactly, exactly. That's standard KMT line stuff. Yeah. Both of those issues, when he was campaigning to be chair and right after he was elected, he openly talked about improving relations with the United States and leaning more toward them. And he said that the 92 consensus was going to be, you know, reconsidered 
And so this says to me that he's getting, there's that reform committee that's working right now on formulating a new cross-strait policy. Mm -hmm. This says to me that Johnny Chang is basically being reined in by the party, more hardliner people. He wants to go, I think he's a pragmatist. And so I think that a lot of the things he was saying before was where he hoped things would go. And his comments the other day feels to me like he's been reined in a bit. Does Maybe. that make sense? Maybe. I understand what you're saying, yeah, but the way I see it, the, his, these comments are all compatible. I mean, uh, moving towards a more neutral sist- situation is actually can be interpreted as moving away from China, but casting it in a pro-KMT mm-hmm. way, if you know yeah, what I'm saying. True. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so even the KMT advocating neutrality towards China is progress towards the center. Mm-hmm. So I think what he's actually doing... I mean, the way I would see this is that he's struggling to find a language that can accommodate the hardliners while moving towards the mainstream. Yeah, that's a good point. And this will take him some time. Yeah. I'm very curious to see what that reform committee is going to come out with. Yeah, me too. Speaking of the KMT and governance and the South, what's happening in Kaohsiung? (laughs) (laughs) Kaohsiung Mayor Han Goyu is going to face a recall vote on what? 666. That's right. On June 6th. That's hilarious. (laughs) So the recall, you and I were talking about this before. The math is kind of funky. And uh, we got some great input on that from Kat Thomas. Kat, if you're listening, we love you. Yep, we do. And uh, (laughs) and she pointed out that the numbers that Han, who called for his followers to to refrain from going to the polls, that that, that actually doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. The key point is, how many DPP voters? How did you explain that to me, Donovan? Well, essentially, the way the newspapers normally describe the, the vote is that you need 25% of the electorate to come out right. to, for it to be valid, and the majority has to vote for the recall for it to be, go into effect. Right. Well, so I came out with this theory that maybe Han's call for his supporters to not come out and vote in the recall was to try and depress the turnout to below that 25% margin. Well... Cat pointed out something which basically kicked the crap out of my theory, <laughs> is that the the percentage of people voting yes on the recall has to be higher than twenty five percent of the electorate. So whether Han's supporters come out or not, their his call for his supporters to not show up isn't going to reduce the turnout on the yes side. So I went back and came up, you know, and actually went and watched his video to try and figure out what he was doing. And I have come up with actually a totally different theory. I don't think this is a, a clever political move. He, the, he came out with that video and it was, you know, Han Guoyu speaking from the heart. And I think what he's doing is he, he, he's had this theme for a long time that politics is dirty and nasty. And, and who would know better? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, he's worked. But essentially some pretty- <laughs> he was saying to his followers, don't, don't you know, get in, don't, you know, just live your lives. Don't bother getting involved in this, you know, dirty politics kind of thing. He didn't exactly say it that way, but that's essentially the implication. And so I think what it was is he was letting down his supporters gently, keeping up his cred with them as somebody who's above the dirty, nasty politics. Ah, right. I think that, you know, and also if his supporters go out to the polls, you know, there's going to be trouble. 
I think really what's going on is this is him shoring up his relationship with his, his followers and letting them down gently because the math, if you look on um, Nathan Bado's frozen garlic blog, uh-huh. he has a number there, which is the yes plus turnout number, which are the percentage of the electorate that'll probably go out and vote yes. And he analyzed a bunch of polls and it's all 30 some odd percent. And that I think does not even include the people. I think he's actually only taking the, the percentage of the population was saying they definitely are going to vote. And I, I, I've seen at least one poll where there was a separate number of likely or considering voting. So it's looking pretty solid that the hand, uh, the hand recall is going to pass. It's going to happen. That would be amazing. So who's going to run then? <laughs> I mean, because we have a whole new election, it doesn't default to the deputy. Uh-huh. So you had some you had some really good ideas on the on the DPP side. We were talking before the show. Yeah, I was hoping they'll send on Sue Jatran to uh, run because he has the right working class vibe, and that was where uh, what's his name uh, Chen Shimai failed. Mm-hmm. He's kind of uh, doesn't have the right working class vibe to get elected in Kaohsiung. And Su Jiaquan's from the South. If you recall, he ran against Jason Hu here in Taichung mm-hmm. uh, before Lin Jialong did, and he he lost by like one percent of the vote. He's a really good politician. Mm-hmm. You know, he runs a great campaign. He's got lots of energy, lots of experience. Didn't he used to be the Pingdong County Magistrate, the the yeah. County Chief? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's got his. He he knows that. It, he I think he'd be a great choice. I just don't think the DPP is going to pick him. I think they're going to go with Chen Chimai again. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. Suchachi would be a much better choice. Who's the KMT going to run? They're going to run Han again? <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be fun. <laughs> um, the I, I've seen the speculation, and I've seen a bunch of articles which basically are pitching Johnny Chang, uh, Jiang Jitan, and Eric Chu, Zhu Lilun. To run yes, for those, and I've seen multiple articles all speculating on those too. I've seen some other names bandied about Wang Jinping, uh, the current deputy mayor, uh, Li Sichuan, um, and someone else who's escaping my mind right now. I think it would be, the speculation was that if Johnny Chang rang, ran, that would help him in the next chair race next year because he only won him to buy election. So he's, you know, I don't buy that. And also, he's got a pretty cushy position with a very popular legislator in the Fengyuan district of Taichung. I think it would just be a distraction, and there's a very good chance he'd lose, and I'm pretty sure he knows that. Yeah, I don't see him doing that. So he'd probably be a good candidate, Yep. but I don't see him doing it. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think, why would they send Julie run? You know, they, there's got to be, oh, but you know what? Wang Jingping is no longer <laughs> in the limelight. He'd be ideal, right? And he's a faction politician from Kaohsiung. He's a former KMD heavyweight. You know, he ran for chair. He's, he's the unofficial head of the Southern legislators in the KMT. Those days are gone. Mm-hmm. Have you even heard a word said about him? Nope, except as a potential candidate down there, someone yeah. who is speculating on it. Right. Maybe they'll get Guo timing. <laughs> yeah, but he's not KMT anymore. <laughs> he could run as an independent, though, or That's for the TPP. Right. Mm. I, you know, Wang Jinping, I think he won't. And the reason why is 
you know, he was directly elected as a legislator and he was of course the speaker right. for a gazillion years. Yeah. Um, and, but the last one or two or three times, I, I forget exactly. I think it was the last one or two times he ended up going as a party list. Yeah. The last couple of times, uh, uh, rather than directly elected. Right. And that smells to me like he was thinking he'd lose because Kaohsiung is so green. Mm, maybe. Now, I, maybe. I mean, maybe he just felt like he was old and, you know, I didn't want to campaign anymore. He didn't want to go through the trouble of campaigning, yeah. But the thing is, is that, you know, I, I, I think, I don't know. I, I, I feel like he probably won't. Eric Chu, he's too much of a northerner. I think he might run because he doesn't have a job right now. Um, and everyone's talking about him running for chair again next year. Which, you know, he was a mediocre chair for KMT chair before. I mean, he wasn't <laughs> terrible. He wasn't Udoni, right. but he wasn't brilliant either. Um, hey, why don't they send down Udoni? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. That was the other name. Yeah, he Didn't was he the mayor, mayor of Gaosheng years yeah, ago. He yeah, he was the mayor of Gaosheng. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. And I just laughed at that one. <laughs> <laughs> but they just keep recycling the same people, though. Where are the new guys coming up? Well, they've got Johnny Chang, they've got Jiang Wanan. Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah. Those and Ho Yoi, but, but he's been silent. Yeah, focusing he, on COVID. Did you notice he finally came out and he started hitting the government the other day? The central government? Really? For the, Yeah, he's usually just focused on his job, but he started yeah. taking pot shots. Now, here's the th th thing that I thought was interesting. This is all Chinese language media stuff. This was not... Oh, Ho Yoi, by the way, is the mayor of New Taipei City and uh, and very popular KMT politician. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. By far, he's head and shoulders above the rest of the KMT at this point. Yep. But what he, he came out and he hit the central government on the exact same day that I saw a whole bunch of articles speculating that the health minister and the head of the CECC, the, you know, the, um, as there's a lot of speculation about him running either for new Taipei mayor or as Taipei city mayor. And all this speculation came out on the same day. Enoch Wu said he'd support him uh, as well. Wow. And the very same day, I, and again, today I saw, uh, he attacked the central the central government health health authorities who are super popular right now, and he said they didn't come out with a handbook, and he said either they won't or they're incapable of it, and he said that's why the, the new Taipei city government came out with this handbook. He came out again today. I saw in the press. Maybe he said it yesterday, but I saw it today in the press. He mm -hmm. accused uh, the uh, you know Chen Shijong and the health authorities of having no standard operating procedure. <laughs> And said new Taipei has had to come up with its own. That's actually not surprising. Mm -hmm. I just thought the timing was very interesting because he's that usually very quiet on central government issues. Hmm. So, I mean, I can't prove there's a correlation, but it just seems like, wow, the timing. Oh, well, speaking of the central government, the DPP took another whack at the uh, irrigation and fishermen's and agriculture cooperatives this week. Mm -hmm. which it's been, you know, we talked a lot about this on the show uh, last year, uh, centralizing mm -hmm. the 
what was it, the irrigation cooperatives and the farm cooperatives? Well, the irrigation associations have already been nationalized. Yeah, they've already been nationalized. It's yeah. happening this year. Yeah. Yep. They've been struggling with those for years because those irrigation associations have long been a, a an important source of patronage funds for local politicians. And so, you know, way back in the 1980s, to run for the head of the irrigation cooperative, you had to spend as much money as someone running in a U.S. senatorial election. Mm-hmm. So those were the days. Is that also true of the Farmers and Fishers Associations as well, I think? Uh I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure it's the irrigation. It's one of those associations that was super expensive, but they all, because they're all involved in infrastructure one way or another. So there's a lot of money that flows out. And also they give out loans. The KMT rearranged all that in the 1970s so that it could, the, the loans used to be under the control of the farmers and then it moved them to under control of the uh, associations. It changed all that in the 1970s. And the result was that there were huge pools of money that could then go out to the patronage networks at the local level. Which the uh, which the KMT was cultivating during the one party state era. So all this has been a long, long struggle for the for the pro democracy side to get these organizations under control and stop them from becoming a source of you know power for the pro China side. So Hello? yeah, so the um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say more. Uh, no, no, no. The, uh, so the so they've come out with this new. When when I first saw it, I, I didn't think really anything of it. Uh, the DPP has come out with a new insurance, which is and covers you know farmers, fishers, you know fish, you know fishermen and and uh, people work in those kind of businesses. So it's a, it's a, an insurance program, so that if there's natural disasters or whatever, that there's an insurance fund for them, which sounds pretty much like a standard sort of DPP you know, a policy, you know, and it makes some sense because the social, you know, the safety net right now doesn't exactly cover the farmers and the fishers quite as, as well as people who work in offices. Um, and, but then I saw in it and let me see if I can find the exact quote. Um, it says here, so the farmers and fishers associations plus insurance companies, uh, will be able to handle this insurance system. But in, in this, so the, so in, 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 in theory now, that means a lot more money going through the fishermen's associations and the, and the, um, farmers associations. But here is a, here is the line that I saw. The council may conduct unannounced inspections of the associations whose executives must not evade inspections or provide council officials with false or incomplete files or reports, the act says. I wonder if there's a punishment specified. You and I talked before, I think, last year about them. The DPP is probably eventually going to nationalize them. Right. But this, this could be their move, not nationalizing them. And then basically now, you know, they can throw, you know, they can do a spot audit at any time. Well, think about how that builds a case for nationalizing. Oh, my God, we did a spot audit. Everything is a mess. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the central government has to take over these systems. Yeah. yeah this, this is a... And in the meantime, it makes yeah. it harder for them to engage in normal patronage activities because now they're being audited at any time, <laughs> any place, anywhere kind of thing. If it actually, if it has teeth, if it actually is done and it's not just, you know, the Potemkin audits where they call you up 
beforehand yeah. to make sure you're ready for the audit. Yeah, that's a big if. I think under a DPP government, I think they'll it won't be a Potemkin system. Yeah, we hope. Well, we got some. Uh, the I think the other big news there was a poll out on gay marriage, but uh, it was conducted by gay marriage groups. It was product conducted by pro gay marriage groups. So take it with a grain of salt. But basically, it said most people are unaffected by the same-sex marriage bill. And mm-hmm. so uh, 93% of Taiwanese, according to this poll, which was, uh, this is from a Taipei Times discussion, says the policy has no effect on them, which is really good news. Mm-hmm. And only negative effects were only cited by 3.7%. It's hard to imagine what that could be. So it's pretty much like what we were saying before. Right. What all, what many of us advocates for this law have said over the years that if you just do it, everyone will get used to it, and then, then you can change the law to make it. Because uh, right now, it's it's not quite the same as marriage that straight people enjoy. Yeah. So I, there was a couple of things I found slightly disheartening in there. Yeah. It was something like two thirds, approximately, of people who said, if their friends, family, coworkers come out as gay they're they're fine with it but something like 45 47 percent or something like that said if it was their own child they would have trouble dealing with it yeah 47 percent but that's progress it's progress yeah um and it's progress over you know generational progress right and then there was the there was another thing in there which said it was actually a majority it was a little over 50 percent said that they did not think that gay couples should be able to have children using modern reproductive techniques. Oh, let me see where that number is. Oh, that's terrible. I think it was 51% to 47 or something like that. So it was Yeah, here it is, 50.1. Yeah, well, 42% were in favor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's, you know, another decade of this, gays will become, it will become normal. That, that num- those numbers will rise. So gay marriage will become normal and those numbers will rise. Everyone will get used to it. They'll, you know, right now it only said, what, 48% would accept gay couples kissing in public, mm-hmm. right? All these numbers will rise. Everyone will get used to it. And so, and eventually it'll change. Right now the, the ad, LGBT, the advocates are advocating for uh, equal adoption rights and mm-hmm. also for recognition of marriages to foreigners whose countries themselves do not allow same-sex marriage that would be a really uh that would be a wonderful move yeah i i actually know people who are you know have been impacted by those um yes and it's 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 a when they passed the bill it was really disappointing that they made those two exceptions well you know Baby steps. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> it was disappointing, it was dis- but they'll change it one of these days. Yeah, I, I suspect that they included those kind of as a sop to the social conservatives in the DPP. Right, that's how I see that yeah. too. Uh, but the poll results, I mean, as you noted, there's a, a positive way of looking at it. It was they they were a lot better than the referendum results in 2018. Yes. Yeah. But you know, you got to take this with a grain of salt because it's a poll from. Mm-hmm. Uh, LGBT organizations. So who knows? I mean, it seems to be that the the numbers put at the bottom seem to be acceptable, right? Error of 3%, 1,086 valid responses from people age 18 and older, Mm -hmm. but who knows? And the other way to look at it is it's a telephone survey. So it's a landline survey, Mm -hmm. which means that it's 
connecting to a rather conservative, a, a somewhat more conservative element of the population, people who have landlines mm -hmm. and don't use mobile phones and live in, you know. So that's, that's another way to look at it positively. Mm -hmm. So, all right. And one more thing's happening this week. Thursday, the cabinet is going to resign as a group. Mm -hmm. And you and I were speculating about who is going to get what. You mentioned a bunch of names. Who do you think is going to get what positions in the new cabinet? Well, uh, the I think there was five people that I, that I was watching. Um, yes. Everyone's saying that Chen Zhu is going to be moved to the head of the control UN, which has now got this new also human rights element added to it. So the speculation is she's being moved there. On Tanju is the former mayor of Kaohsiung, hugely yeah. popular, who was moved out up to the president's office. I think she became, what, the secretary general? Yeah, of the presidential office. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, she was jailed and, you know, she was, I mean, she knows human rights issues well from, she's lived, she lived it. <laughs> so on the human rights yeah. side, I think she's an excellent choice. On the control UN side, I think that would be a terrible choice. Um, too partisan, too partisan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, the control UN is one of the five branches of government in theory. It, it's actually, I think kind of a cool idea is in theory, the control UN's job is to inspect the government. In other words, to be a watchdog, right. To make sure that the government is not corrupt and so on and so forth. And they're doing their job, but all the appointees are partisan. So a lot of the investigations they conduct are highly partisan and suspect. Right. And some of them even seem just like personal vendettas. I mean. Right. So putting in somebody so partisan there, I think, is a right. bad call. I, I agree. But some of the others, Su Jiaqin, who I think, you, I think your idea of him running for Kaohsiung mayor is brilliant. But the rumors are that he's going to take over Chen Zhu's place. Oh. That, that, why would they put him there? He's, he's a great politician. Go ahead. Yeah, and he, but he's I, I also, from what I gather, he's a very good administrator, so I could see that too. But I think you're, you're right; he'd be better as Gaoshan Mayor. But uh, and then Xiaobi Kim is she was uh, formerly a lawmaker from Hualien, and then she lost to the King of Hualien, Fu Quanxi, who is now being thrown in jail, <laughs> where he's going to continue to represent his constituents because uh, the court didn't take away his rights. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but they're the, they're planning to the the rumors are that she's going to be moved to representative of Taiwan in Washington D.C. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everyone says that's a good choice. So yeah, that's been rumored for a couple of weeks now. And then two others where I haven't heard any rumors are Lin Feifan, uh, who is one of the leaders of the Sunflower Movement. Yeah, it's a really good choice. He's working for them, I think, as a deputy under Chen Zhu right now, I think is what he's doing. I've heard exactly what his title is. It's something like deputy. Anyway, I, I, maybe it's in the party. He's he's some kind of deputy executive, uh, it's either for the party or I think it's for the party. Not actually. Sorry, not the presidential office. Oh, OK. Uh, the other one is Enoch Wu. OK. Who ran a great campaign. Uh, and but lost to Jiang Wanan, who's one of the rising stars of the KMT. But it was a blue district. But he's he did well. He's a good-looking guy, got a great background, and so he's kind of a potential rising star for the DPP. So I feel like the DPP has to do something with him. Right, right. So you think they're going to find a position for him that'll keep him out in front of the public eye? I think they'd be stupid if they didn't. Yeah. Well, on that happy note, 
let's end this show. Uh, thank you all for listening tonight, and I uh, hope to have you back next week. Dan Han, the recall man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. His career is toast after this. But I'd be willing to bet there's a, I still think there's a good chance he's going to run for KMT chair next year. Of course. He's got that name. That's why he's cultivating his followers, right? Yeah. I I think that's what the video is about. I mean, yep. Hey, where, where did you press the stop recording? Oh, no, oh, no, sorry, I'll do that now.